Hello there, everybody. Welcome back to another edition of the Sheehan Show here on Sherdog.com. Uh, coming to you directly after the bell following Bellator 287, which went down in the Alliance Cloud Arena in Milano, Italia, this uh, this Saturday evening. Uh, a fine early card for me, so absolutely, absolutely fantastic. Um, it, look, if, if you were to ask me my initial reaction to this card... It's actually a pretty hard one to answer because I wouldn't say it was a great card. I wouldn't say it was a terrible card. Midland card, I suppose, is how we we put it here in Ireland. It was. It, you know what? It was a weird card. If I, if I mean, if I'm being very, very honest, um, the main event probably had the best performance of the night. So that's the best thing you could uh, you could ask for if you're Bellator. The co-main event probably had the most noteworthy fight of the night and uh, the one probably we're talking about the most, I suppose. But the card itself, it was, uh, you know, we're coming up to Halloween here now and it, it was a bit of a Stranger Things card. It was, it was a bit upside down, if I'm being honest. You had all the Italians on the undercard and they got an absolutely massive reception if anyone was watching Cage Warriors a few weeks ago when they did their card in Italy it was the same the Italian crowd are, are mad as someone here from Ireland as well I know all about it how the local fighters get massive support and that was the case here as well for the Italian fighters and we, we'll talk about them in due course I'll go through it fight by fight but then it came to the main card, and there was no Italian fighters on it. You know, Piccolotti, who is, uh, I, I would assume, Italian, <laughs> Italian-American, like an Irish-American in Ireland, or you're not going to get the reception of, of someone from Italy or someone from Ireland. And he didn't get that reception. And no one else really got a massive reception. I think the, the co-main event, because Fabian and Charlie are known entities, that there was a bit of excitement behind that one. But the two opening fights on the main card, although not terrible fights, either of them, especially the, the second one, um, there was basically no fan, re- fan reaction. Now, that was listening at home, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe in the someone in the crowd would be able to tell me different. But from what it looked like here, like... Where you have seen Bellator Dublin, where you've seen Cage Warriors in Italy and uh, other cars in other parts of the world, the crowd take it over, the crowd make it different, the crowd make it feel special. This wasn't the case for this one sitting at home anyway. Now, as I said, maybe it's different there. Maybe you can speak to someone else who, who was there. Maybe they would, they would say different. Um, and I'm actually, that's actually a bit surprising with Bellator because usually they're actually very good at that. Now, I've always had a slight issue with Bellator putting certain fights in certain places and then them making, you know, little sense or... or uh, and not even that they made little sense at times it's that sometimes they had to do it for I, I suppose the greater good <clears throat> if there's a ranked fighter they like to put them higher and stuff, so I have no problem I understand that but to do it as kind of um, fully as this with all the Italian fighters in the undercard and none on the main card it, ju- it made very little sense. And now you could definitely argue that like the guys in the main uh, in the main card are higher up in the rankings and deserve a higher push. And I'd have no problem ag- agreeing with you with that. But you have to realize where you are as well. Like that's the thing the UFC have done an awful lot recently is like not realize where they are and do it that way. And I've always given Bellator credit for that that they have done that. Maybe not as much as I'd like. Sometimes too much. Um, but they've all, you know they've always made that effort. And this one, they made the effort to get the Italian guys on it. But they didn't make that effort to kind of put them there. Like they put Queeley uh, up higher in the cards. Like they put Kieran Clark up higher in the cards. Or Brian Moore, whoever it might be, uh, in in Ireland. Uh, that just wasn't the case here. And I think it, it definitely took away from the card. And it, it's funny because it takes on a whole new lease in life when one of those fights is in. One of those Italian fighters or one of those uh, fights where an Italian wins or uh, an, an Italian's in a big fight. 
it just changes everything because, you know, if it's a big win, people will be up for the next fight or they'll be getting ready for the fight before it. When there was none on for the last four fights, I'm not sure if people left, but it, it sounded like people left in terms of audibly. It didn't sound like I didn't hear people walking out or anything like that. But uh, yeah, that's the one criticism uh, I would give it. But, you know, all in all, they, they did put on a lot of good Italians and they did have an unbelievable crowd there for the first half. So maybe the next time they go back, that's something they can adjust and uh, and make better. Um, right, let's get into some of the fights here. Let's, I suppose let's talk about the main event. It, it's it, It's a fight that... Doesn't take much analysis, to be honest. This is not one I'd be breaking down here for the next 20 minutes because it was it was a real destruction. Mansoir Banois uh, and Adam Piccolati. Um, it was, there was, like, you look at the fight at the very start. If you watch the first 10 seconds of the fight and you hear me saying, oh, this is going to be a, a <laughs> this was a destruction, you'd think it would be the opposite way around because Piccolati got a very, very easy takedown. But Banois immediately swept him. Like, immediately... Um, Piccolati got into an Oma Plata. We know about Oma Plata as a modern day MMA. They're not going to stick. Um, Barnois got his back. It's weird, right? You're, you're watching this, and I, I'm obviously I'm looking at my notes here, and I was taking notes during the fight. But you look in the position, and, and you know, <laughs> I think it was in the second round where uh, where Piccolati was where he took the fight down, and I kind of right take down. And I look back up, and Barnois had his back. And I'm like, what? Well, what happened there? <laughs> it's like he's so quick at getting your back. It was just unbelievable. In that first round, he got the back and he dominated. And he's just, to look at him, he's so smooth on top. Just so unbelievably smooth on top. It, it's, you know, it, it's absolutely unbelievable. In the second round, uh, again, then it was it, it was another Piccolotti takedown. And I'm kind of thinking to myself, if you just got a takedown in the first round, you, he went for a few arm bars and he did a few things and he stayed active. But like you got basically destroyed by a guy who's much, much better than you. Um, and you take him down again, and um, that was the position where Barnois took his back, and where he made it look easy. And once he took it, then there was a, there was a stage in that fight, and let me just check the, the time it ended. It was two fifty one, so it felt like maybe two minutes, maybe maybe a minute, you know, minute forty five or something like that, where Barnois was kind of struggling to get the second hook. He had one hook in. And while on his back, while Piccolotti was moving around, like getting to his knees or getting to different hips and moving around. And he never once like lost control, even though he didn't get that second hook in at, at, at any time until the end of that, if you get me. And he actually tried to put one hook in, I think it was on the right-hand side, Barnois did, from, from the back. And the left hook fell out. And he's still dominating. He's still controlled, even with one hook in, with the other hook. Now, I'm not a jiu-jitsu expert or anything like that, but I guarantee you wrestlers and jiu-jitsu players will tell you to control with one side or to do something, say, left-hand heavy or right-hand or left-leg heavy or right-leg heavy, I suppose, in this is, is a very tough thing. And to switch and do it the other way around is nigh on impossible. And he did it. He did that so well. And he was able to control well with both sides. It was like a, you know, a two-footed soccer player or something like that. It was just something I really noticed. And someone, you know, with a, a, a better grasp of, uh, of, the, uh, of the grappling game or maybe a black belt or something would be able to uh, discuss that and, and break it down better than me. But with, with, the, uh, with the eye of someone who just watches fights and enjoys them, 
even I was able to see how good that was. And you know, sometimes you just see a guy and you think, God almighty, this guy's a different level. I was talking last week on a podcast thinking, you know, I need to watch a bit more of him. And, you know, they were talking about the fact that he hasn't, um, he hasn't fought in a long time. He's only 30 years of age, but he hasn't fought since 2019. I went back and I watched a couple of these fights and look, you could see the quality, but three years out of the game, the the opposition uh, in some of the fights might be the best in the world. You know, I know he's fought some very good guys, including Gamrat and Bushinger, as we mentioned before. Uh, but when you're going in there against someone like Piccolati, who's ranked high in in, in Bellator, who's been around for a, for a while, um, you're thinking, may, like, not that not that he won't win or not that he'll struggle or anything like that. But will he be able to show that level of domination? Look that good, and by golly gosh, he did. He looked absolutely just fantastic. Just absolutely, absolutely superb. And, you know, in that division as well, lightweight, they're talking about the uh, the tournament starting here soon. He's one I think would rip up that tournament. He's a the guy they need to get into that lightweight tournament. Uh, like I, I've been saying as well with this lightweight tournament. So they had the 135-pound tournament. And, you know, it's... Uh, some great fighters in that 135 pound tournament uh, I think Stotts has been a revelation I think he's a fantastic fighter but there's also like a couple of fighters maybe you know that have been in Bellator a long time and have got their opportunities and got big fights like I wouldn't mind seeing them lads just having big fights outside of the tournament and now as well as we got to 155 and putting the guys who are maybe uh, on the way up or say like big headlining draws in into that tournament as well I think that'd be a cool way of doing it. And don't just put, like, the first eight. Bellator's not about that. Bellator's always been about, and Scott Coker, indeed, has always been about the entertainment. And I think that's what he needs to do. Now, by the time it comes around, maybe Bama will be uh, uh, will be ranked up there. But, yeah, I, I would love to see that out of Bellator, and I'd love to see him in, in the tournament if it, if it comes off. I, I, is it officially? I, maybe it is official. I think it is official. Um, but, yeah. He uh, he got the win anyway. In the end. Did I even say it? He got the he got the rear naked choke win. Uh, he trained with it a couple of times at the back. Um, you know, Piccolati did well to survive. He did very very well to survive. But this was this was Vega versus Arax. If anyone watches House House of the Dragon, that's what this was. This was just a, a destruction. One fighter who is top 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 level, and another one who's very good. And uh, it was an absolute, absolute destruction and, and a great win for Banois. And a guy you're looking at in that division and thinking, oh, it's going to be tough, like him versus him versus a lot of those guys. <laughs> it's going to be very, very interesting. Uh, you know, Pitbull or Magomedov. You know, I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if they gave him someone even like a Queely who's been towards the top of that division. Him versus Benson Henderson. I'd love to see that fight. Love to see it. But um, yeah, long way to go, I suppose. Yeah, in terms of... Uh, when he gets to the top of the Bellator division, it'll probably be two or three fights, I would say, considering this was his first there, but he's well able for it, well able for it. Um, so let's uh, let's move on. Let's talk about the uh, the main event, Fabian Edwards versus Charlie Ward. And this was a, another bizarre fight on, on a bizarre night. Uh, let's just run through the fight first and then we'll get to the madness, I suppose. Uh, very slow pace to start. Very, very slow. Fabian was trying to play, you know, he played that range game. He said it in the pre... Actually, before the fight even started, they did just this... Maybe it's the best ever preview Bellator have done for a fight. It was hilarious. Just they, they interviewed Charlie in, in his gym in, in Tullamore and interviewed uh, Fabian, I, I assume, in Birmingham or may, maybe in... I, I don't know, it was in Italy maybe or somewhere, but uh, it was in Birmingham, I'm pretty sure. And they just kind of let him talk. 
and the two, and they put like quote from Fabian, quote from Charlie, quote from Fabian, quote from Charlie, and it was absolutely brilliant. Like Charlie, Charlie is hilarious, but he, he like he doesn't obviously he doesn't like doing media or having his picture taken or talking or doing anything. I I've only interviewed or I had the chance to ask Charlie a question once ever in a post fight scrub, and he gave some of the funniest answers of all time. Like Charlie, when he he does get into those, he's he's really good at it, but he obviously doesn't like doing it. Um. But uh, in that interview he gave there, he ch- it was absolutely brilliant and hilarious, and he meant every word he said as well. And it was, if you haven't checked it out, it's it's it, you know, there's no great massive production value in it or anything, but just the words they said were just funny but brilliant at the same time, and it was it was great. I really enjoyed it. But uh, yeah, as I said, the f- fight started at a very very slow pace. Um, Fabian, you know, in the preview he said with the range game. And I actually don't think he used the range game that well early. It was when Charlie actually kind of came forward a little bit and came maybe a step into range that Fabian actually had success and he wobbled Charlie with a head kick. He wobbled Charlie with a head kick, hit him with a a few good shots uh, after that. And uh, if Charlie was in... You know, in a bad way. You know, he was in a really, really bad way. I, I thought he was, uh, he was on the way out. To be honest, I thought the fight was 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 going to end. But um, Fabian kind of he fell over off the second head kick. I believe it was. And I haven't watched the fight back, but that that's what happened. I believe Fabian fell over off the second head kick, and Charlie landed. Um, Charlie landed in mount. Or sorry, Charlie landed in in the full guard, and he landed some good ground and pound from there. You know, uh, not too much, I suppose. Fight got up left uh, late, and Charlie landed a lovely, lovely uh, short shot um, inside on Fabian. So you know, Fabian won the round because he almost knocked Charlie out. You know, Charlie was very, very badly wobbled. Uh, Charlie didn't do enough to get the round back, but. It was, you know, it was it was closer to a ten nine to Ward than it was a ten eight to Edwards, if you want to put it that way. But a definite ten eight to Edwards, in my opinion. Um, the second round, Fabian just came out as no one was expected and took Charlie uh, Ward down. Just took him down immediately, nearly into the mount, but didn't get it. But got the back from that. Uh, got two hooks. Uh, almost got the rear naked choke, but Charlie got out. Uh, and then it was this is where the, the bizarrity started. Is it bizarrity award? I don't know. The bizarreness started. There was a kick to the groin, and then Charlie got really mad, and he like started. I I don't know exactly what it, we called him. A, we called him a prick. My allowed to say that on YouTube. I think uh, he called him a prick and a fucking prick even. And Fabian was like looking at him, and the referee was like, "What's what's going on here?" But it was Charlie who kicked Fabian, uh, low, and he was the one who got mad. I don't know. Maybe Fabian said something. Not not sure. But uh, they came out again anyway. Fabian was fine. He got a takedown. Got back up. Got another takedown. And then it was straight into the mount from that takedown. And there was some massive, massive elbows there and almost an arm triangle, but Charlie survived and he did a good job surviving towards the end of the round. Uh, in the third inning again, Fabian, another takedown and straight into Mount. Um, got the back again this time, flattened Charlie out. Um, took, yeah, he flattened Charlie out. Far, didn't Charlie, very, very smartly, I think, he he, he was flattened out. So he, Fabian had both gloves inside under the arms of Charlie and Charlie like just tightened them up and kept the gloves there. And Fabian could not get them out maybe for, I don't know, 30, 45 seconds. It's something I don't think I've ever seen in MMA before, but it's very, very smart. I think Charlie, a lot of the time in this fight, actually played like the defensive game on the ground very, very well to stop himself getting damaged. I, like, it's, it's one thing I always wonder, like when, when the lad is taken down, 
and he's on the bottom why isn't he just holding on and like doing nothing and hoping for a takedown like just holding a lad right into him you know getting that gable grip or whatever it is and just holding the lad on top in and I was either easier said than done and the strength and there's ways of getting out of that as well I suppose but um, I think Charlie did things like that very very well anyway eventually Fabian did get out um, and the body triangle was just very very tight kept landing you know a good few shots but not too many and this is where the the, the, the real I suppose, madness started. So the next maybe minute and a half or so, the, the round ended. So Charlie was caught in the uh, back mount and Fabian was landing a couple of shots, maybe not landing much, went down, went to the end of the round and, uh, and Fabian ended up winning. So in that last minute, minute and a half, they just started like talking to each other, and Charlie was Charlie was going, "Is this all you? If this is all you're gonna do, you little bitch?" And calling him like, "You're the number two in the world, and this is all you're gonna do." And he just like kept talking to him the whole time and saying things like that, and it was just it was it was just really really funny. I don't know, they must have been right in front of the microphone because you could hear every single word, and um, that was grand anyway. That kept happening, and then the fight finished, and uh, Charlie like. Fabian was on his back They got I think they could, did they get, Anyway it doesn't matter Ch- Fabian was on his back And Charlie like Jumped down As if to give him a hug But it looked as if He was like attacking him as well No he wasn't attacking him As, as it uh, uh, Proceeded But the referee Kind of jumped in And he was kind of Pulling him apart And then they were like Standing up And then they were like Giving each other Like little bits of headbutts But not actual headbutts But like, uh, like But like you know Like just Like nodding at each other But then saying Oh great fight and It was weird It was so It was so bizarre So weird But yeah, at the end of the day, uh, you know, Fabian came out in his uh, press conference or his uh, post fight in cage interview afterwards, and uh, he said sorry, for, sorry for the shit fight in the crowd, which it wasn't that shit. Like it was, it was an okay fight. Well, it wasn't a great fight. It was, it was, it was kind of like the night. It was bizarre, more than good or bad. But um, yeah, I, look, Fabian comes out of it. Will he be getting a title shot next? Maybe Bellator have done a great job of pushing Fabian over the last few years, and are they going to push him up towards the title shot that quickly? Um, after maybe not the best performance in the world, and we'll, we'll talk about Casella Vancinas later on. M- maybe I'm not sure if they have, like, Ireland is coming up in February. Could you see the middleweight title there with Fabian on it? I could. I'm sure they'd be going back to the UK at some stage, maybe in the new year. Uh, would they like to see Fabian there? But the fact that Leon is fighting for a title, possibly or probably in the UK as well. Um, I could see that happening, so big time ahead for Fabian. And for Charlie, look, I don't think Charlie's stock fell much after this. A lot of people were expecting Charlie to, to lose badly or get knocked out or anything, and he didn't. You know, he survived there for a long time, had some moments himself. You know, it was a, a close round one, so uh, Charlie definitely didn't disgrace himself, and I, I, I think he'd be back 41 years of age as well. You know, it, it's a pity, I suppose, for Charlie didn't get, get to MMA a little bit earlier and... Uh, and have the time and like the effort he put in here. You saw Kieran Davern, he's trainer talking. I saw one of his fit, fitness trainers as well. I think it's uh, Shane, Shane Flynn, is it? Uh, Charlie was in f- absolutely phenomenal shape. And, uh, you know, I, I think he can be proud of, of the effort after that. But, uh, yeah. Um, then we had those two fights. I'll, I'll just go through the, the rest of the main card before we get to the prelims that I spoke about earlier on. So Saul Rogers versus Tim Wilde and Justin Gonzalez versus Andrew Fisher. These were the two fights that... The crowd were hardly even watching, uh, if I'm being honest. Now, Rogers and Wilde, that was actually a pretty, pretty good fight, to be honest. Round one was all Saul Rogers wrestling. He took Tim Wilde to the ground. And, I, you know, while watching it, even at the end of the round, I was kind of thinking, and I gave Saul as one of my bets of the week, and I was 100% wrong uh, uh, in this one. Uh, 
uh, and I was kind of thinking, all right, let's get the screenshot ready. <laughs> let's get it out. My bet's going to be right. But that didn't uh, that didn't uh, transpire for the rest of the fight. Um, start to the second round was, was kind of close. Wild, though, he, he turned the whole fight, I believe, with a lovely switch he hit. Uh, where Rogers, uh, I couldn't describe it. You know, you'd need a a, a judoka or a jiu-jitsu black belt or something. But basically, um, Rol, uh, Saul Rogers was trying to take him down, and Wild uh, rolled forward and hit the switch and got right in on top of uh, of Saul Rogers and just dominated on top for the rest of the round. Lovely ground upon, very very hard shots in the third. Wild is just picking him apart, absolutely picking him apart on the feet. He's striking, looked fantastic, landing straights right down the middle for the first almost, I would say nearly four minutes, just maybe a little bit less. But then um, Son nearly caught him in, in some sort of modified guillotine, looked really, really good. I think he went for it a couple of times, uh, took the back out of that, but uh, Wild got out and got back up. And once he did that, that was that. And uh, he ended up winning the decision. He won. He was winning that third round well. He definitely won the second round. Lost the first. It was a split decision. Uh, there was there was a bit of iffy judging. There was a bit of iffy judging. If I'm if I'm being honest, uh, on on this card, um, no robberies. Or, I mean, well, maybe one robbery, but this this certainly wasn't. They got the right guy here anyway. And, and Tim Wilde won this fight. Then we Justin Gonzalez versus Andrew Fisher. Um, they kept talking about Gonzalez's speed in the commentary, and I was waiting for you know Demetrius Shanson to come out or something, and he didn't. You know, he didn't. Uh, it, it, that didn't materialize. Now Fisher, I would say, fought slow, and he was kind of maybe barely winning early. There wasn't really much being thrown. Um, a big takedown with about two minutes left. Got back up, and then there was a clinch. Round two was all striking. Gonzalez was on the better, and this winner. This is where I suppose the speed did tell a little bit in the second and third round. In that third again, just Gonzalez being a little bit better all around and ended up winning it. I, I was thinking in the middle of the third round, it's like, this is the fight they picked to start off the main card? Did this one? Really? Just, I don't know. The, the, it wasn't necessarily bad matchmaking or anything like that, but I just think where they placed these fights... It was a massive issue throughout the card. You could say the same even... Although, no, do you know what? The, the skatizi Galan fight was actually a good one to top the prelims because they were... Go back and listen to this, right? Watch these two fights or listen to the start of these two fights and look at the reception that Skatizi got and had throughout the fight and then look at Gonzalez Fisher and the difference. Now, you want them maybe the other way around or you want Gonzalez Fisher maybe three fights down in the prelims and another Italian topping them, but I digress. Um... Skatizi Galan, uh, uh, you know, not the best fight in the world leader, I would say, but Skatizi, I thought, just was non-stop in this fight, really. Got a lovely takedown early, and he was, he's the whole round, the whole first round, chain wrestling. Um, a few late Skatizi punches in the first round, and uh, I, I think it secured it for him. Round two, um, close on the feet, Skatizi got a late takedown, nice ground and pound again for him, and that was kind of... That was kind of the, the the third round too. I think more even, but Skatizi landing some good stuff and ended up getting the decision win there. I was a little bit surprised, maybe. I've been impressed by Davy Galan over a while, but uh, you know Skatizi obviously fighting out of SPG now, improving all the time. But in Italy as well, his home country, very very good. Maybe the most impressive fight at night uh, in terms of performance, I would say, was Castello Van Stinas. Uh, well, apart from Banwa, maybe I would say. 
he looked absolutely phenomenal. A good while out of the cage. Um, he was fighting Camille Ozenchuk. Camille, very tall. Very, very tall. And how do you fight a tall fighter? Calf kicks. Calf kicks from Castella Vancine. It's over and over and over. Do you know, he, he almost threw two low calf kicks. He was like, they were almost ankle kicks. He was throwing them so low. Um... Costello Vancina stopped the late takedown in the first round and really from that point on it was Camille was in trouble. Calf kicks again in the start of the uh, the second round. Big right hand from Costello up the pace, landed a big barrage and got the dart shock. Now this was a fight. I was actually I, I was I was on the uh, one championship um post fight press conference call the other day and Regan Ersal was there, uh the kickboxer, and I, he was saying about how he fought a slower pace in the start of the fight and up the pace and up the pace in rounds three, four and five. He fought at a higher pace and it, it was you know, it, 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 that was his game plan. I kind of asked him about it, the dangers of that and all. Costello Vancinas did that here, and he kind of said that in the uh, in the post fight as well. And it's funny. I want <laughs> I wonder they train out the same place. I know they're they're both from they're from uh, from Holland, from the Netherlands. So may, maybe they do, and maybe maybe that's the, the way the lads there fight. But I I don't I don't actually remember seeing this a lot in MMA. I think like what I have seen a lot recently in MMA is if someone wants to wrestle in the fight and they think their A1 game plan is to wrestle, they'll actually strike in the first round and then wrestle in the second round so it'll make it easier because the opponent is not expecting it. But the kind of slow pace, slow pace, faster, 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 fastest pace, that's not a thing we see too much in MMA, I don't think. And we did see that here and it was very, very good now because Levan Stinas, he's back in the middleweight picture. I could see him Fighting Fabian again if they if they have someone else to fight for the title, um, very interesting there, and we I suppose we'll see over the next while. Another impressive uh, performance, Alfie Davis, absolutely brilliant, and for me, um, the commentary was was annoying me during this because they kept complimenting Guti's forward pressure. I'm watching this and I'm thinking. Davis is absolutely picking him off. And it wasn't until they showed the stats that I think that they changed. Because at one stage, it was like, what was it, 30 to 12? And then they showed it later on. It was like 172 punches to 32 punches or something like that. And like, anyone watching the fight could tell you, like, I don't know what the lads were, were doing in the commentary box. Anyway, I'll digress on that as well. Um, but it was all off the back foot. Alfie just picking him off. Uh, in, the, in the second round, Guti kind of hurt his arm. Not massively sure what actually happened. Uh, body kicks from Alfie all day. Very, very good. All him. Closer third round. I think Alfie kind of maybe got a little bit tired and Guti started throwing more because he knew he was down. But an easy win. I, I scored a 30-27. I think, uh, I think all three judges did as well, if I'm not mistaken. But Alfie Davis won that. The fight after that, Kira Pacheco against Manuela Marcante. Um... A lot of people calling this a robbery. Now, I need to I need to go back and watch it. I'll, I'll be honest, I, I wasn't watching it. This isn't one of the fights I was expecting to be breaking down in, in great uh, in great detail. I, I did watch it. And to be honest, I was kind of on the side of everyone else as well. Now, as I said, I need to go back and, and watch the, the full thing again to give it a complete breakdown. But uh, Pinko won the split decision. I thought Manuela won it. I think most people thought Manuela won it. So, uh, yeah, that could be one of those ones at the end of the year where... We're looking at uh, the most questionable decisions of the year. But it was a fight. Look, if you want to trust the judges, absolutely trust the judges. I, I, and, I, and I would as well, so they, they know a lot more than me. There wasn't a great deal of immediately impactful shots landed. Uh, it did feel like Manuela was landing the more shots. Um, but when you're sitting cage side, sometimes it seems uh, a lot different. Um, so, yeah. 
Eves Landu then beat uh, Walst- oh, Walster? Walter Conglindro, uh, who's fighting out of SPG. A lot of SPG Italians on this. Uh, Landu got a takedown early. Uh, Walter was way stronger than him, got back up and swept him. Uh, swept him first and then got back up. Uh, Walter was close to getting an anaconda, but didn't get it. Massive right hand from Eves, then extremely close. Round one, the second round, a big Eves takedown, Americana. <laughs> and he, he, was, he had an Americana And he was like I don't know if he's talking to John Kavanaugh Or he's talking to his own corner Who he's talking to But he was talking to someone And in the Anaconda Was like not even close uh, Used the Komodo to get into mount That was really really smart Really intelligent Maybe he did it Maybe he did it The first one for the second one um, um, Walter got out But took heavy ground and pound And Eves was winning on the feed Then Eves was winning on the feed Again in the third And on the ground uh, Crucifix late But the fight went to a decision and uh, Lando ended up winning there. Simon Biong, though, he got a finish uh, against Dragos Zubko. This was a very nasty finish. Uh, it looked like Zubko was badly hurt, but he got up pretty quickly after that. But, yeah, looked nasty. I, I wouldn't criticize the referee or anything here either. Though. I, th- I thought he did a good job. I think it was Jaren Vallel of sapping it. Uh, Zubko landed a few early, but an, a very, very quick takedown from Simon Biong. Um... Zubka got up, takedown again into the mount, good ground and pound, definitely round one for Biong. Same again in round two, takedown, mount, ground and pound. And it was, it was a weird one because there was like, he was in the mount and he was landing one, two, three, four, five shots. And he was kind of stopping. He's like, one, two, three shots. Stopping, one, two, three, four, five. And he was like, you land, instead of five, land seven or land nine or land five and five more immediately afterwards, you'll get the stoppage there. But it felt like he threw maybe four too many barrages. <laughs> if he'd put them together, he would have got it finished earlier. But I think the ref in the end finished it. Like, Biong is a massive prospect. A very, very, very good fighter. Um, B. Luke Trainer, who we'll talk about in a second, uh, in his uh, his last fight before uh, before this. I know he's, you know, he's, he's a, a couple of losses in his career, but... Uh, you know, I wouldn't. I wouldn't be too bothered about him if I'm being honest. Only 31 years of age at light heavyweight division, massive, massive prospect coming through. Uh, Nicholas Cioli then got the win over Bumara uh, Kamara, which is uh, easy for me to say. And uh, Nico won round one, but he's wrestling round two. Nico looked looking for an armbar, uh, but Kamara landed some huge ground pound and won the round on top round three. There was three minutes and 30 seconds. I've written my notes here of clinch. Just clinch. So he landed a big punch, almost got a rear naked choke uh, and won the fight because of that. Hopped into the crowd. Great scenes. Uh, Another one of the Italian guys who being Italian on an Italian card really, really helped. So there's a, (laughs) you know, there's, there's a few of them there who we've talked about who got great receptions, who the crowd were mad for in the middle of it. And it was fantastic. So, uh, you know, Sioli was probably the best of them all. His reception he got was, uh, was crazy and very, very good. Luke trainer then very quick. Let me just check the, the time here. One minute, 54 seconds. It seemed quicker than that. If I'm being honest, all we had here, front kick, takedown, Rear naked choke. Easy Luke trainer. Great uh, fight. A great win to get him back into the win column. Andrea Fusi and Stephen Hilden. You know, Fusi found it of SPG Ireland. I, not a great performance, if we're being honest. Uh, Hill won rounds one and two with wrestling. Uh, outstruck him for half a round three and then out wrestled him. One judge, uh, one judge gave one round to Fusi. I don't know where he got that from, if I'm being honest. Uh, this was I, I could hardly pick out a second of Fusi winning this fight, never mind a round. Um, so yeah, and then the first and opening fight of the night was another very, very quick one. Um, where uh, a uh, a body kick. I thought it was a liver kick at the start from um, Kamidov. 
knocked out Jose Maria Tome uh, with a lovely shot to, uh, you know, a lovely kick to the body and a very, very good, uh, very good, very good, very good finish there for him. So, yeah, that was it. That was all of Bellator 2, what was it, 287. Um, you know, all in all, as I said, Midland card, bizarre sort of card, some great Italian performances, great Italian crowd, and uh, onwards we go to uh, to the next Bellator, Bellator 288, I believe, usually comes after 287. Oh, and what a great card it is, November 18th. Uh, Vadim Nunkov versus Corey Anderson, uh, Patricio Ferreira versus Usman Nurmagomedov is on that card as well, so really, really good there. And until then, well, I'll see you before that, but uh, my name is Sean Sheehan for Shardog.com, and I'll see you all next time.